we're kicking off our series today that we've titled Deepen. Deepen. Everybody say Deepen. Deepen. For those who have been part of our church for the past couple years, every January we do a Deepen series. And the idea of Deepen is to live out this definition. It's to go beyond the surface. My prayer for you this year, it's the same prayer I had for you last year. It's the same prayer I had for you the year before that, is that you would take a step this year in your walk with Jesus that's further than where you were at last year, that you would go into a new place, a new level, a new depth in your walk with him that causes you to go deeper. And so that's the idea of this, is that I don't want us to be a stagnant church. I don't want us to be a church. When I say church, you know, I'm talking about us, right? I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about an event on the weekends. I'm talking about the individuals in this room that we would all step deeper uh, this year. And for some in the room, it's going to look different than others. Deeper for me might look different than deeper for you. Um, And that is okay. There's actually a book that I've been reading. Um, It's by an author named Dane Ortland. I've been walking our staff through this book. Uh, The title of the book is Deeper. So I thought, hey, you know what? This book, Deeper, it's getting some good reviews. I want to read it during Deepen a theme month. And the author said this in the book this past week. I read it and I underlined it, circled it, and I said, that's what I'm talking about. And he referenced almost like in a, a metaphorical way, it would be like somebody who goes to the Pacific Ocean, takes four or five steps into the water, is standing there in the ocean, and the water is up to their waist, and their feet are in the sand, and they're feeling it, and they're they're, they're thinking in that moment, I've mastered the ocean. I've done it. Like, I went to the ocean. I stood in the ocean. I I went to the deep depth of the ocean. I stood there not being aware that if you just went a little further out, you wouldn't be standing. (laughs) You'd be, where am I? I need help. And what's even more vast than that is from my understanding, oceanographers have yet to actually find the deepest parts of the ocean, go to places and depths that are unable to go to. If you could, the gospel is like that. Why do I share that? You could get into this place where you become a Christian, you become a believer in Jesus, and you start to even have a rhythm of going to church, and maybe even you go to a charge group, and maybe even you start to be generous and giving. You go, I did it. I'm standing. I'm here. I figured this whole Christianity out, and I'm here to tell you in the most joyfully sad way, you don't got to figure it out you could still go deeper. You you could still grow deeper. There's there's parts of the ocean of your faith that Jesus still wants to bring you into. Sometimes it takes pain to get there. Sometimes it takes seeing a different side of Jesus to get there. But just the essence of Christ himself has has deeper symptoms, ramifications, and whatever you want to call it, you can get to know him better. And so that's the purpose of 21 days of prayer, 21 days of fasting, 24 hours of prayer, which is next week, a whole day of prayer and worship. We'd love for you to sign up for a block. 
And that's the, the, the purpose of this series. How can we go beyond the surface? Just wanted to give you that as an introduction for where we're going today and a message that I've titled Deeper in the Gospel. I want us to go deeper in the gospel. Judging by the sound in the room, not too many people are too excited about that message. And I think partly that's going to be evidence for why we need this message. Because there should have been at least three or four people that love the gospel so much they got excited that we're going deeper into it. I thought I'd get an amen. There's ye whiz. This is Walk Church. Come on. We got to have some feedback, some talk back, some encouragement. Help the preacher. But I think one of the reasons why this title isn't that sexy is because we're bored with it. You heard deeper in the gospel, you're like, the gospel, that was like elementary school. I got the gospel way back then. I'm trying to get to the deeper things, and I'm just trying to tell you here, this is the ocean. That, that you can still go and grow deeper into the ocean. I read this quote from a pastor named C.J. Mahaney in a book that he has titled The Cross-Centered Life. And C.J. says, never be content with your current grasp of the gospel. The gospel is the life-permeating, world-altering, universe-changing truth. It has more facets than a diamond. Its depths man will never exhaust. Never get content with your grasp of the gospel. I think we can grasp a hold of it afresh again. I know that my heart will drift from the gospel if I'm not careful to go deeper into it. Another quote, I'll just give you a few to just whet our appetite uh, this morning. I love how Dr. Tim Keller says it. He says, the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity. The gospel is the A to Z of the Christian life. It's important that you know that that, that this phrase, the gospel, is not just something that you start out with in the ocean. Ah, I got that. Now let me move deeper. The gospel is the ocean that we go deeper into. And so I want us to go deeper into the gospel because I just felt like a, a stirring. As I was praying, right, this, what, what, when, we, when we hit deep in month and we get ready to go into our deep in conference, the, the topics could be endless. Deep in my faith, deep in my surrender, deep in my, it could be all types of different things. And we're going to get into a lot of different things. We've talked about deepening our community or deepening our generosity. Right? But here I want to talk about deepening our understanding of the gospel. What is the gospel? Why is the gospel good news? Why is the gospel important? And why is the gospel something we can go deeper into here uh, today? Let me go ahead and pull up a verse of scripture. I just want to unpack one verse of scripture in this sermon. We can walk through it a little bit slower and then get to a time of responding as well. It's a verse that maybe for some is familiar and maybe for some it's brand new, but let's go ahead and look at it here today. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Lord, as we get ready to read this verse, oh, Holy Spirit, we want more of you. So open our hearts, open our minds to go deeper in the gospel today. We need your help to do it. We don't want to dare try to do it on our own. 
Take us deeper into the oceans of the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 16 is where I want us to look at here today. Romans 1, 16. Would you help me read this off the screen or out of your Bibles? This is from the ESV translation. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Roman church. He's writing to the believers in Rome and to the individuals in Rome who might get a copy of Paul's letter. And Paul, in his introduction of this glorious, beautiful, charged-up theological letter, the book of Romans is very deep and it's very encouraging and all types of good things are, are flowing out of Romans. But he starts out in chapter 1 and here's what he wants us all to know. He says, I'm, I'm unashamed. I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I thought that was just a good thought right there. I'm, I'm not ashamed of this good news. I don't know about you today. I don't know if you are ashamed of the gospel, but my prayer for you is this, as you go deeper into the gospel, you would be able to say with Paul, I'm not ashamed. You know, I, I, I still, uh, I'm still a little bit in Christmas mode and my family and I binge watch Home Alone during that time. Don't judge me. But I can just see Kevin McAllister run outside and I'm not afraid anymore. And maybe you would have this. I'm not ashamed anymore. You'd have this awakening. You'd have this deepening where the gospel is something that maybe was boring to you or the gospel was something that just didn't move you much. And today you would say, you know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Let, let me give you a definition for this phrase, uh, unashamed. I thought that was such a, a cool way to look at it. Unashamed. Being without guilt, self-consciousness, or doubt. Saying, you know what? When it comes to the gospel, I don't have shame in the gospel. I get excited about the gospel. I, I I'm not self-conscious about the gospel. In fact, I think we need to do a better job sharing the gospel. We need to get more excited. The, the things that we are excited about are what people around us will get excited about. If you're self-conscious about the gospel, your family will be self-conscious about the gospel. If you're doubting the gospel, then other people would doubt the gospel. But I want to encourage you to be unashamed. The, the idea of shame is when you feel guilt, you carry self-consciousness, you carry this essence of doubt, this woe is me mentality, this secretism, this hiding place. I feel shame. I don't want anybody to see me or feel it. When you're unashamed, you're excited. It's the opposite, right? When you're unashamed, you're, you're passionate. You're pumped up about it, right? Go to a Vegas Golden Knights hockey game. Those people are unashamed. To wear the, the, the gold, right? To, to beat the drum. Like, man, that, th this, this is what Paul is writing about when he thinks about the gospel. Romans 1.16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I want to go ahead and highlight this word gospel because I don't want it to just be a, a Christian buzzword that we say but don't actually know what it means. Um, 
you guys understand this topic, okay? He's not ashamed, but what is he not ashamed of? Let, let's go ahead and peel that back. The, the gospel is this uh, fancy word for what we describe as good news. Um, the, the, the purest definition of gospel is news that is communicated by someone, through someone, that is, is, is in the category of good. The gospel is good news. Why do I emphasize good news? Well, because I want to tell you today, the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is not a good suggestion. The gospel is not a good idea. The gospel is not a good story. The, God is, the, the gospel is not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. The gospel is good news that you open up and you read it and it, it reads you. Uh, the gospel is news that I would encourage you to visit often and read frequently. I read this quote from a pastor named Kevin D. Young. He says, if the gospel is old news to you, it will be dull news to everyone else. I was with my, my friends, uh, uh, Marty and Jill, uh, yesterday at their daughter's birthday party, and they were telling us how uh, Jill's mom reads the newspaper every morning, front to back, right? Just goes through the news, and I'm like, I wish I had the skill of reading like that. And um, I thought about that as she was sharing, like, I need to read this news, this gospel news, every morning, front to back. I need to rehearse the good news in my mind, in my spirit, because if not, I can get contaminated with all the other news. Amen? We have news, friends, and it's good news. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I am I'm not ashamed of this gospel. My encouragement to you is that you would be able to get to that place today. I think the only way that you can get there is by growing in your understanding of it, G going deeper into it, stepping out of the shallow end of your gospel understanding and actually going deeper into it by faith. That, that's what I want us to, to think more about here today. I think we can end up like Paul in this verse. So maybe you would say, what, what is the gospel? What, what is the good news? I'm just going to try my best to remind you of the good news that we believe in. And if there's anybody here in this room that isn't aware of this good news or that hasn't put their faith and belief in this good news, not good ideas, not a good rule list, not a good checklist, not a self-help book, not a motivational moment. Though those things are all good, the gospel is news. Like, breaking, dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, good news. Like, don't miss this. Interrupt all the programs. This is the news that you need to know of. This is the good news. Why is it good news? Let me talk for a minute. And I'm going somewhere, hopefully by the end of this sermon, that makes sense. Um, so I want to invite you to stick with me. The gospel is this idea, this news, this reality. That God is this big, glorious, holy, beautiful God in heaven. 
in God the Father, in God the Son, in God the Spirit exist in perfect, holy unity and get this amazing idea one day to create people, to create humans in their own image. And God the Father and God the Son and and God the Spirit say, let us make man and woe man in our image and in our likeness and let them get to know us because then they'll be glad. Here's something I want to just blow up for a second. Some people think that God made people because he was lonely. You ain't that cool. You're not. God is not impressed with you. Here's why he made you. So you could be impressed with him. So God makes people because he knows if people got to know him, they'd be glad. And then God would be glorified. And so God makes Adam and then he makes Eve and he makes a whole bunch of animals and he shows off his glorious power in creation, his creativity. He made the moon, he made the stars, he made the trees, he made the creeping animals. And I don't know why he made the mosquitoes, but he made them too. Never made sense to me. He made food, he made fruit, he made vegetables, he made the sea, he made the water animals, he made the reptiles, he made two human beings, he made two individuals. And he gave them a command. And in his holiness, he's allowed to make any command he wants. He's God. He, he plays by his own rules because he is the rule. And he says, I, I'm giving you a thousand trees to eat from. But I'm commanding you to stay away from this one. And you should trust me because I'm trustworthy. And in a moment, Adam and Eve are deceived by a serpent in that Eden garden. And that serpent would, we, would be who we believe is manifestation of Satan there who was removed from heaven years before for pridefully wanting to compete with God. And in an attempt to try to get back even with God, he then in turn tries to deceive God's creation who are made in his image and likeness. And in that moment, Adam and Eve turn away from God and are distracted by the temptation of the serpent and and give way to the first ever sin by eating from the tree that God commanded to stay away from. And in this first ever sin invites what is called death into the world. Death is separation between God and man. Death is when you're in perfect relationship with God. When you die, now you're separated from God. And death is invited into the world and you start to see right from the bat this blame game. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the blame game? Because we still do it to this day. It's inherent in us. It's Adam and Eve's fault. But they would say, no, it was the serpent's fault. And then Adam would say, no, hold up, Eve, it was your fault. And Eve would say, no, 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 you, where's that serpent at? He's gone, right? He already deceived you. He He tempted you and you fell into sin. And so now Eve's mad at Adam and Adam's mad at Eve and and they're looking for the serpent because it was, and all of a sudden now their shame, they begin to grab trees and leaves to cover themselves because they're embarrassed, They're, they're ashamed. And then God speaks and he says, what happened? And they begin to blame each other. And God begins to curse the ground and he stays faithful to what he told them would happen, that they would be removed from his 
presence. But can I just tell you in that moment that God speaks a word in Genesis 3.15 where he says, one day there'll be a seed that comes through the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. And you'll see the good news on display that God would not be content with man, human beings being on our own, wandering about the earth, trying to figure out what life's about. He would not be content with that. He would go on a rescue mission to get us back into right relationship with himself. That, that is the great good news thread throughout the, the Bible from the beginning of Genesis where you meet Adam and Eve all the way to Revelation. It's God wooing his creation by his grace with a big heart of love to say, come back to me. But here's the problem. Sin is the problem where we run into this block of, of sin. We can't get back to God because something is in the way. God sends prophets to say, come back to God, but we can't, can't get back to him. We continue to do what's wrong. So everybody has chosen their own way on how to do things right. And so one day God in his grace says, I'm not going to send any more prophets the way I once did. I'm not going to send a flood to wipe everybody out, even though God would be just righteous and holy to do so. Instead, what does he say? I'm going to send my son. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to send my actual... God the Father taps in with God the Son and says, remember before the foundation of the world when we created these human beings? Jesus, you want to go rescue them? And Jesus says, I want to go rescue them. And the Holy Spirit is, is up for the challenge. And Jesus comes into the world. Not born in the same way that me and you are born into sin, but he is born from the spirit of holiness that comes into place in the first ever Christmas season where Mary is now pregnant, yet without having sexual relations. It is a mysterious moment that is a prophet a prophecy fulfilled from Isaiah 7 and 9 that this would be how the Son of God, this would be that seed from Genesis 3 would come into the world to save. And Jesus is there. And what does he say in Mark chapter 1? He says, behold, I've come to share the gospel, the good news that man could become right with God by turning away from their sin and turning to him by faith, by putting their faith in him, by putting their faith in Jesus, by repenting of our eating of the forbidden fruit, by, by, by turning from our disobedience, by turning from our rebellious spirits from God, by turning from those things and turning to Jesus, then we could then take part in the good news, that we could then be set free, that, that we could then have a new identity, that it wouldn't be about what we do, it would be about what he's done. And by putting our faith in him, our identity becomes his. And he takes our identity on the cross. This Jesus, right, this Savior pronounces good news. And not only does he pronounce it, but he lives it. Amen. Amen. One day this Jesus would grow up. He would live the perfect, sinless, spotless life. He would do all the things that the Father had commanded. He would check all the boxes that we didn't. All the areas that you blew it in, Jesus made it right. And then you would think he would get a golden star and a medal for living that life, right? No. He would go up on the cross. He would be nailed to a tree. 
He would shed his blood with nail-pierced hands, nail-pierced feet, and he would die an excruciating death. And in that moment on the cross, Jesus blurts out this phrase, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And there's silence. And why is there silence? My belief is there's silence because it's in that moment that all of our sin is imputed to Jesus. In God, for the first time in the history of the world, in that moment, is not having his eyes focused on his son because his son is covered in the sins of humanity. And Jesus cries out, why have you forsaken me? It's because our sin was upon him. It's because he took your sin on his back. And what happens in that moment? Oh, here's good news. All of that perfect life that Jesus lived, all of that righteous life that Jesus lived, all of that justified life is now transferred to you. In that moment where, oh man, don't miss this beauty of the gospel. In that moment where God turns his eyes from Jesus, he turns his eyes to you. Because you are accredited as righteous, not by what you've done, not by your good deeds, not by your great efforts and straining, but by, by the one act of him, Jesus himself. Yes, yes. And God turns his eyes to you and he, and he smiles. And he says, I love you. Look at all my new sons, my new daughters adopted into my family through the action of my son who paid the sin debt for the sins of all, the, the sins that they've committed that have separated them. The wages of their sin is death. It's true, but Jesus paid your debt. His death, on the, his dying, his blood speaks a better word. You might say, hey, Pastor Hyden, it, you know, what you're sharing goes against my religion. And I would say, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. I want it to go against your religion. Because I don't want to preach a message that I'm titling deeper in religion. I want to preach a message that's deeper in the gospel. If you go deeper into this message and you rehearse this message often and frequently, you, you won't be as tempted to think, I'm letting God down again. I should have done better. Pastor Hyden told me to do the fasting thing. I broke it on day four. I was doing so good for three days. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not a good reader. I'm not a good Christian. I need to be more religious. You've gotten away from the gospel. You, you, you've replaced the gospel with a more Christianized law that in a lot of ways works against the same thing Jesus came to do. Here, let me, listen to me. Listen to me why it's important. You working really hard and straining with religiosity to get it right and to do better and to work harder and be more Christian. Listen, that is tiring. That, that, that is not what Jesus came to help you do. He came to set you free from the idea that you have to earn it. That's why it's good news. But come on, help me out. Right or wrong, if you don't know this message well, 
you will begin to drift into thinking, I gotta, God, I gotta impress you again. God, I gotta do, man, I fell into sin and, and surely you hate me. When Jesus says, I died for you. Do I really need to go die again to show it to you again? Listen to the words of Jesus on the cross when he says, it is finished. So when you fall into sin and when you feel essence of guilt, I I, I agree that conviction is helpful. It's the Holy Spirit saying, this sin ain't going to help you. Holiness is actually a better way. You'll be happier when you're holy than you are when you're sinful. Can anybody amen and testify to that? As somebody who's lived on both sides, deeply sinful, running hard in the world. Deepening my, here's my sermon title, Deeper in the Gospel, right? Trying to run hard after Jesus. I've, I've found personally, I'm more happy in Christ than I was in the world. You don't have to pay me a dime to say that. That's honesty. And so I've found that, yes, living in Christ is better than living in sin. And the Holy Spirit will convict you and say, there's a better way and I love you. But he's not convicting you so you have to earn God's favor again. Because that was handled at the cross. Let me give you two scenarios. And and I'll give you two scenarios, and my prayer is that this would maybe just help you see this idea that we can go deeper into it. One scenario is the individual who says, I'm going deeper this year. I'm sufficiently inspired by the message from Pastor Hyden. I even bought a book at the merch store. I got a leather-bound Bible. I got my name imprinted on it in gold. I, I have a Bible reading plan, and I deleted all my apps, and... I downloaded the Bible app. It's, I just got one, and I'm going to go after Jesus. And that person on Monday wakes up, and they get in the Word, and they love their spouse, and they be kind to their kids, and they, they eat really healthy, and they do a great job at work, and they go home, and on Tuesday, they repeat it again. And on Wednesday, they were first at Wednesday prayer. They were in the front row. They were lifting their hands. They, were, they prayed for all the prayer requests on the, the altar. They stayed late. They high-fived everybody. They joined the serve team. They went to join the family. On Thursday, they were praying for youth and students. On Friday, they were here setting up and tearing down and putting the TV. They were praying over the stage. On Saturday, they took a rest because there's a a command about observing the Sabbath that will be good for you. On Sunday, they're back at church and they're here ready to worship. All right, that's one person, okay? Now, there's another person who has put their faith in Jesus who, who does love Jesus, who is saved by the gospel. But yet on that Monday, they slept past their alarm. They were upset that they slept past their alarm, and now they're feeling guilt. They come downstairs and they yell at their spouse for not waking them up on time. The kid spills the cereal bowl, yells at the kid. The kid's now crying, hates himself, goes to work, is mad because he gets fired, The next day, I don't want to read, doesn't read, skips Wednesday prayer. Somehow the Lord slaps it on their TV, clicks it off. (laughs) Thursday, I don't know what, I just don't want to deal with it. Sees somebody at the coffee shop from Walk Church who's waving at them. They turn the other way. (laughs) Friday, they drive by the school as they're emptying out the trailer to put chairs in here. I'm driving, I didn't see that. 
Saturday, they work really hard because I don't want to rest because I'm upset. And they, they, they get dragged to church and they're standing next to the person who did a great job that week. And they're just so mad at that person. Can I tell you, listen to me. Do not miss what I'm about to say. Listen to me. Please, I'm begging you to listen to me. God does not see either one differently in that moment. God is not leaning a little bit more toward the righteous week that this individual had that was so all-star. Jesus is not like, I got a little extra blood for you. I got a little extra anointing. I'm more favorable toward you this week. The odds are in your favor to get to heaven more this week. You know, you, you've really impressed me this week, son. But yet, do we not think like that? Man, I'm not like him. I'm not like her. You know, those people got it all together. Like, like they got a higher ranking with God, of course. I'm just telling you, if you go deeper into the gospel, you'll realize the ranking system in your head doesn't exist. The, 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 the ranking component of like super Christian, elite Christian, like super saved, you know, like we got to get this mentality out. We have to just be gospel people. The same gospel is just as effective for the person who didn't, who, because, here's why I say that, because none of our good deeds were the, ever the thing that earned it. In fact, there's a verse that, that outs everybody. In Isaiah chapter 43, it, it, talk, it, it talks about how our good deeds are filthy rags to our holy God. So God's like, your good deeds are not the it. We've all fallen short. We've, we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark in some way. The definition for sin is just to miss God's mark. But God is a holy and righteous God and being unwilling to hold, hold wrath, he says, I will have to, to I'm, I'm a, God is a just God. The same way somebody commits a crime and goes to the courtroom and the judge says, I don't really care. You guys wouldn't want that, right? Well, don't treat God like that. God's not, God, God is a just, holy God who says, look, you, you have committed sin and you need to therefore pay for it. But here's the good news. We're saying Jesus paid my debt. So I don't have to pay for it with a bunch of good works and a bunch of law keeping when Jesus did that in my place. Now that doesn't give me a license to go run off into sin. What that does is it inspires me that there's a better way. I'm going to live and walk with Jesus. He's the one who created me. He must have the game plan that's better than the game plan that somebody else can give me. And I trust him with it. That's why we get in the word. We don't read the Bible to, to earn points. We read the Bible to know God. We don't go to prayer night so that we could have another badge that says prayer leader. We go to prayer night to talk to God. We don't live holy so that we could post on our story, I'm living holy. <laughs> Beware of the sin of self-righteousness in your righteous living. The, the anti-gospel mentality is you thinking that you did something when he did everything. 
And you, you, you got to go deeper into the gospel this year because at some point this year, and you probably already have felt it, you're going to miss the mark. You're going to blow it. You're going to miss the standard that God has called you to do. And what I want you to do is I want you to remember this message. Amen. Amen. Come on, Ray. I want you to remember, man, God's not mad at me. Because if I did a really good job, would God be happier with me? God loves you the same. Like, like he really deeply, he deeply loves you. I read this quote this week in, in the book Deeper. It, it, it hit me. I shared it with our staff. I said, this is just profound for this pastor here today. Dane Ortland says it like this. He says, we cannot sin our way out of the grip of Jesus. Does that help anybody here today or does that just help me? We, we cannot sin our way out of his grip. He is going to hold on to us till the end. Now today, if you have not reconciled with Jesus, if you have not put your faith in him, on him, for him, through him, if you have not said yes to him as your everything, then you are still in your sin. And if you don't make a decision, you'll die in your sin. And the wrath of God remains on you and you won't have anybody to make it right for you if you don't make that decision. Jesus has done it. He, he has made it right. He has lived the life you couldn't. He's died the death. This is the day for you to say, all right, put me in your grip, Jesus. I'm tired of doing this on my own. And watch Jesus transform your life in radical, miraculous, powerful, freeing ways. Amen, Amen. freeing ways. I've been around some circles of Christianity that feel so heavy. Feel like, you know what, hey, Feels more like Santa Claus than the gospel. You better watch out. <laughs> better not cry. Better not pout. It's like, this is crap compared to the gospel. Making a list, checking it twice. Jesus died for the list. Right? The, the, the list was nailed to the cross when Jesus died on it. And, and that was when it was checked and done. <laughs> and he said, it is Finish. Why can the Apostle Paul say in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of that gospel? Because Paul will tell you in a lot of his other letters, I'm the worst of all the sinners. Paul never got away from the gospel. In a lot of his introductions of his letters, you'll find the Apostle Paul say, greetings to you. This is Paul. And some of his other disciples were with him. And he goes, and I just want to start out this letter by letting you know I'm the worst of all the other sinners. And then he would follow it up with this phrase, but, but God has saved me and transformed me, not by what I've done, but by what he's done for me, by his grace, for his glory. I thank you for the gospel. The gospel is this good news. He says, for it is the power of God for salvation. Notice this one more time. Let me say this one more time. We'll, we'll, we'll conclude with a time of worship. It doesn't say this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for me to do good, good deeds, good works, for me to work. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to save me. I love this quote from Tim Keller. I'll, I'll share it one more time. The gospel is not just about God's power. Like, hear that. 
The gospel's not just a good message about what God did 2,000 years ago. Like, oh yeah, that was powerful back then. No, the gospel is God's power. So there's something about this message that I'm communicating right now that is like a battery pack in you. I've had moments where I've fallen into sin or I said the wrong thing or I've made the wrong choice. And it's then, right, that the accuser, Satan, and all of his demonic forces want to just jump on, pounce on you and tell you how terrible you are and just play the replay tape. You shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. It's in the moment of reminding myself of the gospel that I can get up again and breathe and rest and realize if I would have done everything right, it wouldn't change God's love for me either way. I'm going to get grip, grip a hold of the gospel and it's going to just encourage my soul. And the gospel is going to help move me along to do better. And then the gospel doesn't just save us, it sustains us. I've noticed it's not just me telling my kids, work hard, do better. That caused them to work hard and do better. I'm telling you, that, that just hasn't worked for me so far. There's, it's not that I, I'm not a motivator. We have like, we have little things that we say. Ratners are leaders. Ratners are focused, right? We're talking about all these different things that we want to do. We work hard, of course. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But I've found the thing that's motivators are when they do blow it or do mess up, they were right there. Locked in. Locked in. Let's talk about it. And they can know, man, I, I got to work hard to see if I can come home tonight. No. They know I'm going to get right back in this car seat. I'm deeply loved by my dad. I, 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 and, and that's going to motivate me to do better. It's not whether or not I hope I'm good enough to get food tonight. It's like, no, I'm part of this family. I couldn't do anything better to earn more family status. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't do anything worse to now I'm no longer family. I'm in this thing. And for the Christian, I just want to encourage you to rehearse this message. God loves me not because of what I've done. Because if that was the case, I would have lost his love a long time ago. God loves me because he's good. He's the gospel. And I want him. And today he wants you. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this message. God, I, I want to continue to unfold the gospel in my own life. I, I have not mastered it. I just know that I'm needy. I'm in need of it. So Lord, I, I pray for every individual in this room right now. And today, if you have not received the gospel as good news for your salvation I want to invite you to do that I just want to invite you right now to pray with me believe with me right now you can join me in this prayer by faith just say father I believe that I'm a sinner you're the Savior. 
It's not about what I've done. It's about what you've done for me. I take hold of this message and I believe. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I'll never be the same again. Thank you for the gospel. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to walk with you for all my days. I pray this by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And would you just pray one more prayer with me right now as we get ready to conclude? I want to pray for everybody that's a believer in this room that's been trying really hard and feeling really defeated. God, I pray for every person in this room who's a believer who just feels like they're tired. God, would you give them a freshening today of the gospel? Would you just let them know that your love has not changed or shifted toward them? For the person who's trying to impress you, would you just let them know you don't need to do that? That you're deeply loved by the Savior? And God, would the, would the religious chains just begin to fall so that we could worship you with grace and truth and spirit? And, 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 and God, would it, be, would it be fun and life-giving, not life-taking? So God, I pray against, I bind the spirit of the law in this room. I bind the spirit of religion that says we have to work harder and grind and grit and pull our bootstraps up to serve you, Jesus. It's, it's not that. God, help us to go, go deeper in the gospel and to, and to smile again and to know that, Jesus, you love us deeply because that's who you are. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.